as we worship this morning.
Philippians 2, 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father. Let us sing of the wonderful name of Jesus together, the name that breaks chains, the name that death could not hold. Death could not hold you.
Good morning, New Life Church. Today we get to celebrate the gift of children in our congregation. And um, we'll get to celebrate God's gift of children in the dedication of Justin and Tessa's two children, Nora and Reuben. In dedicating these children to God, Justin and Tessa are bringing them before God to make a promise with him and in front of all the congregation to raise these children in the ways to know God, to love him, and to honor him with their lives. So I'd like to invite the Teeson family, come on up, Justin and Tessa and Hope, Nora and Reuben, come on up. Beautiful family. <laughs> um, Justin and Tessa, as you dedicate Nora and Reuben, um, I'll be now asking some questions, three questions, to respond with the hope that Nora and Reuben will one day respond to God's promises for them in their lives. So here are the questions. Justin and Tessa, do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and affirm the promises of God made to you and to your children in his word? Secondly, in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community, do you promise to do all in your power to instruct Nora and Reuben in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? And lastly, do you promise to pray for them and to teach them to pray, to train Nora and Reuben in the way of Christ by your example through worship and service? In the church, what is your answer? Amen. Amen. Now, Nora, um, her full name is Nora June Thiessen. Nora means light as well as woman of honor. And June, parents like the sound of the name, so they pick June. So Nora June. And Reuben. Reuben means behold a son, which means fitting for the, which is fitting for their family that he's the youngest. And Elias, his middle name, connected to the name Elijah, meaning the Lord is my God. And so for Nora, I would like to share these verses from Matthew 5 in connection to the meaning of her names. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Nora June, may you be the light that shines the light of God in your household and to all those that come to know you. May the, may the world glorify God, your Father in heaven, through the life you live in this world. And for Reuben, I would like to share these verses from Psalm 63 in connection to the meaning of his names. This is the Psalm of David. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. 
Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Reuben Elias, may you experience and find deep satisfaction in God's steadfast love all the days of your life. May you be blessed with seeing God's power and glory so that you may bless him and praise him as long as you live. Now, I'd like to invite uh, the family and friends to come on up to pray for them. So, your family members, friends, if you'd like to come on up, lay your hands on them, and as we pray for them, come on up. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of children. We thank you that through your grace alone, Nora and Reuben could come to know you in their life. Bless and strengthen them daily to grow in their faith by the help of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to them the riches of your love and deepen their faith. Keep them from the power of evil and enable them to receive and accept your invitation to follow Christ when the time comes. Let Justin and Tessa rejoice in the gifts you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Hope, Nora, and Reuben to know you and to love you and to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. New Life Church. Uh, my name is Tyler Postma, and this is my wife Sam, and we will be your readers this morning. Host this morning. He was on double duty this morning. <laughs> Still getting straightened out. If you are ages three to five, grades one to five, or a leader in either Little Lights or Kids Church, we'd ask you to come down to these front steps, and we're going to pray a blessing over you before you head downstairs. Please join me in praying for these kids, and we just invite you to extend a, a hand of blessing towards them. Dear God, thank you for all these kids. We just pray that you would give them uh, listening ears today and attentive minds to hear what their leaders are saying, and we pray a blessing over leaders as well, that they would um, speak 
your word in truth and love, and that they would leave today feeling blessed and knowing you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So little lights and leaders can exit through the door on my left here, and kids' church and leaders can exit on the door on the right. We're so happy you're all here with us this morning. If you're a guest this morning, we'd ask you to fill out a Connect card that can be found in the seat in front of you, and you can bring it to the info booth after the service or during the fellowship time to receive a gift. And if you're online this morning, we encourage you to write a comment and interact with the other people that are watching online as well. So we have a few announcements this morning. The first one is New Life Connects classes. So these are classes hosted by New Life, just about New Life and what we believe as a church. So we encourage anybody who's looking into being baptized, doing profession of faith, or um, joining membership here to attend these classes. They're uh, done by Pastor Sean. They're casual classes. There's no homework or quiz. You just have to show up. Um, they start November 26th, which is two Sundays from now, at 12 o'clock till 2, and lunch will be provided. So please contact the office if you would like to sign up for these. Our At the Table at Your Table potluck is next week Sunday, 12.30 p.m. We have all the hosts we need, so thank you to those of you that signed up to be a host. And now it's time for the rest of us to sign up to attend. It's a potluck, so we all get to host in a way because we're all bringing something to the table. We have locations all across Abbotsford, Chilliwack, and Mission, and... Today is the last day to sign up. So you can see the table in front of me. Each, there's plates on the table. Each plate has some host information, the name, where it is, and amount of people that can attend. And under that is the sign-up list. And this is where you can write your name, email, and how many people you'll be bringing, including children. Um, make sure you pay attention to the maximum number the host has written and add up the amount of people that have signed up and add up your amount to make sure you can fit to, at their table. And at the end of the week, we'll email the hosts and all signed up with final information. And another note, these potlucks are all happening at the same time, so you can't sign up for multiple lunches. <laughs> and we encourage you to take this opportunity to meet someone new and to share a meal with people that you may never have eaten with. Um, you can sign up during the fellowship time or after the service. And again, it's the last Sunday, so please make sure you do it today. And for our offering today, we'll be giving to Bethesda. So Bethesda is a ministry that supports people with diverse abilities and their families with a wide range of services, from home living options, community-based activities, life skills and summer camps, to employment services and family support. They are a Christian, faith-based service provider committed to building communities of belonging where everyone's abilities are welcomed and deeply valued. Uh, to give an offering, you can do so on the ways behind me, and you can also bring a check or cash to the offering boxes at the front here during the fellowship time. And then we just remind you, if you're giving via e-transfer, to designate where your offering is going. Otherwise, it will be um, designated for the budget. Oh, and we're going to pray for the offering now. So please pray with me. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the ministry that Bethesda does, and we pray that you would bless them this year, and we pray that any money that comes
comes into them that you would multiply and just use to further your kingdom and to support uh, all the people that they uh, are here to, to support. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. One last thing before our fellowship time. I want to invite anybody in grades 6 to 9 to our second Sunday breakaway. The purpose of this breakaway is to head off during the service to engage in deeper conversations and ask questions about the sermon. You can meet Jacob Visser and the other leaders at the top of the east balcony doors. Um, And second Sunday breakaway takes place in room 303 upstairs. And they'll be brought back to the auditorium at the end of of the service. Now we're going to move into our three-minute fellowship time. So during this time, you can grab coffee or tea in the back. Uh, We encourage you to meet someone new. And if you need an icebreaker question, you can ask somebody, if you were to go to a potluck with anybody in the world, who would it be? Thank you. We built our idols just to see them fall. And our false gods brought us nothing
All right, everyone. If you can return to your seats, that would be wonderful. All of you coffee addicts in the back, please grab your chairs. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Bruce, and I'll lead you through the rest of the service this morning. It's a pleasure always for me to be here and um, to preach God's Word. And um, let me just add my voice to um, the admonition to sign up for uh, one of these places of hospitality. Because here's what I know. I know, and, and uh, you know, I, I was a church planter in Edmonton for years and years and years, and uh, we ended up, by God's grace, uh, planting six churches. And one of the, the main things, one of the things that worked the best in terms of connecting with people was potlucks. And, um, and I know that for some of you, there's a little bit of a reluctance because you're like, well, I don't really know these people, and it might be awkward, and, and there's a football game on, or, or there's a whatever, right? And there's, there's always like a million excuses bumping around inside you for not doing this. But here's what I'm going to guarantee you. If you do this, if you take the plunge and you go and you sign up for one of these and you go to one of these, these folks' place, you will not regret it. You will have a great time. And you'll find yourself just sinking a little bit deeper into community in this place, which is a great and wonderful thing. And some of these people are fantastic cooks. Not all of them, but <laughs> call me. But no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're fab fabulous cooks there, and you're going to bring some of your best food, and you're going to have a great time. So, uh, so after the service, if you haven't signed up, uh, money-back guarantee, okay? Like, you're going to love this. So, uh, so do that. Let's pray as we um, enter into God's Word this morning. Father, um, on this Remembrance Day weekend, um, we thank you that we can stop today and remember who we are in your eyes that we are your children, that we are beloved, and that you call us into this amazing life of following Jesus and becoming transformed to look like him. So as we talk about that this morning, as we talk about um, conversion, as we talk about this story, um, would you work in our hearts? Would you fall fresh in us with your Holy Spirit and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, these days, um, here at New Life, we're in this series called At the Table. And this is a series in which we are learning about the power of hospitality. And in particular, we're looking at, at some interactions between Jesus and various folks, um, all of from the Gospel of Luke. And... Um, and we're looking at, at, at how, how these things have kind of a transforming effect on their lives. This week, we're going to look at the story of a man by the name of Zacchaeus and how an unexpected gesture of hospitality by Jesus changed his life. Now, to get at this this morning, I want to suggest to you that every human life has a defining moment. Every human life has a defining moment, a moment that changes the trajectory of that life. It's a decision, it's an encounter, an experience that, that defines fundamentally 
who they are as a person. Now, to be sure, you can have more than one moment in life that has a defining impact on your life, like when you decide who you're going to marry or when you decide what career you're going to pursue or when children arrive in your life. That's always life-changing and defining. Or, or, or some significant financial decision you make or, or you didn't make that has a real impact on your future. Still, for all of us, I believe that, that there is a defining moment re- regarding what our life is going to be all about. What's going to be our North Star, so to speak? A decision that influences and guides every other decision in our lives. For some of us, it happens early on in our lives. It's about a decision or an experience or something that happens when we're a child or when we're a young person. For others of us, um, it happens later on in life. We, We make a radical shift in our thinking or our perspective. It's certainly influenced by our personality, our family of origin, our education, and a host of other things. Ultimately, ultimately, it's about what we value the most. What we think life is really all about. What's that thing, that, that one thing worth pursuing more than anything else? For some, for some, it's the pursuit of power. You may have heard of, of this guy. This guy. Yeah, there we go. Friedrich Nietzsche. All right? German guy, German philosopher. He talked about the will to power in German, der Will zur Macht. Nietzsche believed that the desire for power is the main driving force in humans. Namely, achievement, ambition, and the striving to reach the highest possible position in life. And he was hugely, hugely influenced, or influenced, influential rather, is what I meant to say, in the life of another man that I'm sure you've heard of. His name was Adolf Hitler. For others, it's the pursuit of wealth. You can find a lot of people that subscribe to this pursuit. You can also find a lot of people who say with their mouths that the pursuit of money is not what life is all about, but when push comes to shove, it really is. Deep down, deep down they believe that the accumulation of wealth brings freedom. The freedom to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. And and this is all they believe that we can ever hope to achieve in life. You may have heard of this guy. His name is Warren Buffett. He's the longtime CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett is one of the richest people in the world and widely acknowledged as one of the best stock pickers in history. And his investment philosophies have, have influenced countless investors. One of his most famous sayings is this, rule number one, never lose money, never lose money. Still others pursue fame, 
through their creativity as an artist or their acumen as a sports figure or the beauty that they can create as a musician. Ultimately, they want to be remembered for their contribution to the imagination of the human race. They want to leave a legacy. You've all heard of, of the struggling artist, right? Or how hard it is to become a professional athlete or a musician. Ultimately, for them, it can't just be about money, right? Or fame. Because um, otherwise, most of them would never do it. Because for most of them, they have to choose to sacrifice almost everything else in their life to achieve what they set out to achieve if they want to become this person, right? Are you with me? Now, this morning, I want to introduce you to a person who thought, who thought that he had life all figured out who by all standards in his day had achieved what he set out to achieve. Uh, whatever his backstory was, because the gospel writers really don't tell us a lot about him beyond this encounter that we're going to read today. By, by the time we meet him in Luke chapter 19, he has all the wealth that he could ever want. He had the house, probably a nice one, in a nice neighborhood, servants who fawned all over him, a big screen TV, a pool, and although he was short in stature, we're told, he probably had some beautiful women around him. In every culture, in every time, there's always been women who are willing to overlook certain shortcomings. See what I, see what I did there? For a chance to live a luxurious life. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't just a, a tax collector like Matthew, um, who we met in the first week of this series. He was the chief tax collector, which means that he, he had people working for him, probably lots of people, which means he had influence, which means that, that he probably had some pretty significant political connections and some notoriety. Let's face it, Zacchaeus, had it made in the shape. He really did. But here's what else we know about Zacchaeus. Something was missing. Deep in his heart, he knew there was this giant hole that was unfillable by any of the stuff that he had at his disposal. I think when he lay his head on his pillow at the end of the day, he asked himself, what's wrong with me? I should be happy. I should be one of the happiest people in the world. I have everything I want. People envy me. And yet I'm, I'm not. There's a kind of a, a misery to my existence. If there's a, a contemporary song that gets at what Zacchaeus was feeling in those darker moments. It's that U2 song, right? I've climbed these city walls, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
And I believe that for Zacchaeus, there was a kind of desperation to all this. He was a lost soul. A kind of a a philosophical wreck. Tell me, why else would he climb a tree just to see Jesus pass by? Think about it. Rich people, like Zacchaeus, didn't climb trees like children. Especially in those days. Rich men like Zacchaeus wouldn't gush over people like Jesus, who by every worldly standards was financially poor. He certainly wouldn't risk the ridicule of the crowd, right? Can you just imagine you know, what was going on in the middle of this entourage as Jesus comes into Jericho? I mean, guys looking up at Zacchaeus say, Fred, isn't that our chief tax collector in the tree? What's he doing? Has he, has he lost his marbles? He looks a little stumped to me. See, they had dad jokes even, even back then. Even back then. But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus didn't care because he was desperate. But all of this was about to change. Zacchaeus was about to have his defining moment at the table with Jesus. Let's read a story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, you can read along, or it'll just appear on the screen here. Let's read this. Let's read this from my sermon. (laughs) Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will give back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, if you've been to church for any length of time, you know the song that's associated with this particular passage, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. See, there you go. There you go. And I just want to warn you that that song may well bump around in your head all week. I know I was driving around this week going, Zacchaeus was, oh, pizza, right? I also found out something interesting. We were at Creative Team on Tuesday, and I found out that Sean 
esteemed pastor Sean, who did the dedication this morning. He comes from a Korean background and grew up in a Korean church, and he didn't know the song. He didn't know the song, which left me questioning his orthodoxy. (laughs) Now, I've listened to many sermons on this passage over the years, but at the conclusion, I was always a little perplexed, right? And here's why. Because other than telling Zacchaeus that he must stay at his house, Jesus doesn't say anything to Zacchaeus, right? There's no in-depth dinner conversation. And yet Zacchaeus has this incredible conversion experience. At the end of the meal, he stands up and he says, I'm giving half my possessions to the poor, and I've cheated my and if I've cheated anyone, and I'm sure he did, I mean tax collectors were famous for that. I'm gonna pay it back four times over. I mean, do, do the math. Zacchaeus was gonna to have to make some wholesale changes in his life. When he called his broker on Monday to tell him what he did, his broker was like, are you crazy? Do you realize you're going to have to sell the house? You are going to have to cash in all your RSPs to do this. I mean, the whole story would have made more sense to me if at dinner, Jesus had said to Zacchaeus something like what he preached back in Matthew 6. Maybe you remember what Jesus preached there in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. If he said, now Zacchaeus, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, Zacchaeus, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You cannot serve both God and money. Now that kind of would make sense, right? To which Zacchaeus would reply, you're right, Jesus. You're right. I finally understand. I'm repenting of this fruitless pursuit of money. Based on your presentation, I'm going to change my ways. But Jesus Jesus doesn't say a word. But still, Zacchaeus has this defining moment, this conversion experience. What's going on? What's going on? Well, I want to suggest to you a few things this morning. And here's what I'm hoping will happen. I'm hoping that, that through this message and how God speaks through the power of the Holy Spirit, this morning might be a defining experience for you as well. That's my prayer. By the way, I just want to say that I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as I'm preaching to you. Bono of U2 once said, I know, I know, that's the two U2 references in one service. He says, you preach what you need to hear. You preach what you need to hear. So here's the first thing. Simply put, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. When Jesus stops his entourage beside Zacchaeus' tree as he's coming into Jericho, what does he say? 
Well, here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, um, perhaps I could come to your house for dinner tonight. I mean, you have a big house and probably enough rooms for the disciples and I to, you know, to stay for the night, and the game is on, and a swim in the pool would be nice, right? What do you say? No, he, he simply says, I must come to your house today. So come down from that tree. I must. Obviously, Jesus already knows all about Zacchaeus and what's going on in his heart. Zacchaeus is one of the reasons he's come to Jericho in the first place. It's an amazing thing, you know. A mind-blowing reality if you ponder it. The reason Jesus came to this earth, the reason he did something as radical as becoming one of us, flesh and blood, his mission is to meet with us. You need to understand that in the same way that he said to Zacchaeus, I must meet with you, he's saying it to you today. I must come to your house. I must come to your heart. Now, here's the thing. We can walk away. We can. Zacchaeus certainly could have. Jesus will not force his way into your home or your heart. Jesus will not tie you to the table and make you talk. A few weeks back, we read this incredible passage from the book of of Revelation, chapter 3. It's the words of Jesus himself He says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. But you must decide. You must decide if you are going to open the door of your heart to Jesus or not. Jesus says, I must come to your house Today, I must eat with you. I must talk with you. There's things to talk about. The question is, are you willing? And Zacchaeus says, yes. Now, you might think at this moment that that Zacchaeus' heart was just filled with joy. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming to my house. But can I humbly suggest to you, I don't think so. I think as he was running through the streets of Jericho to his house to prepare for Jesus' arrival, he was scared out of his mind. And the more he thought about it, the more scared he got. I think he had this sense that his whole life was about to be laid bare. I mean, he'd heard the rumors about Jesus, right? That's why he was in the tree. He'd heard how Jesus healed the sick, how he challenged authority, and and more than that, how somehow he could see right into the hearts of people. Have you ever been in one of those situations where someone knows something about you, and you know they know, but you're so scared of the truth coming out that you keep trying to pretend that nothing is wrong? I think this is the case. Jesus didn't have to say a word at dinner because 
He already knew the truth about Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus could see in Jesus' eyes that he knew he knew. But he was scared. Like any one of us would be, right? Because in any true conversion, there's going to be pain. The pain of giving something up, right? Can you imagine the dinner, com- the dinner conversation, the table conversation that might have occurred that night? Zacchaeus is trying to make small talk. So Jesus, you know, how's the ministry going? Obviously, very well, right? I mean, look at all those people this afternoon. I mean, everyone's talking about you, right? By the way, by the way, listen, you know, I know ministry isn't cheap, so, you know, if you need some financial support, um, I, could, I could write a check. Would it be tax deductible? <laughs> Little tax collector humor there. But Jesus doesn't say a word. Because that's not why he came. Zacchaeus might have said, so Jesus, wow, politics. <laughs> They're pretty scary nowadays. You know, I just want you to know that, that I don't agree with everything that the Romans are doing. But listen, I mean, you know, we still have to function as a society, right? By the way, where do you stand politically? But Jesus doesn't say a word. Because that's not why he came. Uh, how's the dinner, by the way? You know, um, I did my best on short notice. You know, I got that bottle of wine in Egypt. <laughs> There's a whole backstory. I won't bore you with it, but it's, it's very expensive. And, uh, but hey, only the best for you, Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't say a word. Because that's not why he came. How long did it take for Zacchaeus to realize the reason Jesus came to his house that day was to make a beautiful exchange? Zacchaeus's sin-sick soul, twisted by all the lies that he told over the years, all of his greed, all of his hopelessness, to exchange that for a better life. For a heart that belonged to a goodness and a grace that would never leave or forsake him. This couldn't have been easy for Zacchaeus, right? I mean, it sort of feels that way as you read the story, you know, like Jesus is just there and he stands up and, hey. But it, it couldn't be easy because no conversion is ever really easy. The Bible says that, that a conversion, if it's, if it's real, feels like dying to yourself in order to come alive in Jesus. Nobody loves dying, or at least feel, feeling like they're dying. In his book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, C.S. Lewis describes this process of conversion so beautifully. And if you've never read his books, you need to start. Eustace, um, this boy, as we meet him early in the book, is, is not a nice guy. Not at all. In fact, eventually he turns into a dragon, and C.S. Lewis tells us it's what he always was. But there comes a moment in his life when, like Zacchaeus, he's desperate enough to want to change. 
His life has become so painful that he, he can no longer bear it. Now, I want to read you about this conversion experience. It's a little bit of a longer passage, so bear with me. Eustace is speaking now, and listen to what he says. I looked up, and I saw the very last thing I expected, a huge lion coming slowly towards me. In Lewis's books, you need to know that, that Jesus is depicted as a lion. And one queer thing was there was no moon last night, but there was moonlight where the lion was. So it came nearer and nearer, and I was ter terribly afraid of it. You may think that being a dragon, I could have knocked out any lion easily enough. But it wasn't that kind of fear. I, I wasn't afraid of it eating me. I was just afraid of it, if you can understand. Well, it came close up to me and looked straight into my eyes, and I, I shut my eyes tight. But that wasn't any good because it told me to follow it. You mean it spoke, said the children? I don't know now that you mention it. I don't think it did. But it told me all the same. And I knew I'd have to do what it told me. So I got up and followed it. And it led me a long way into the mountains. There was a garden, trees and fruit and everything. In the middle of it, there was a well. The water was as clear as anything. And I thought if I could get in there and bathe, it would ease the pain in my leg. But the lion told me to undress first. So I started to scratch myself, and my scales began coming off all over the place. But just as I was about to put my feet in the, into the water, I looked down, and I saw they were all hard and rough and wrinkled and scaly, just as, as they had been before. Then the lion said, but I don't know if it spoke, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty near desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back and let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling off the skin, it hurt worse than anything I have ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of, of feeling the stuff peel off, you know, if you've ever picked a scab off a sore place, it hurts like crazy, but it's such fun to see seeing it come away. I know exactly what you mean, said Edmund. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I, just as I thought I'd done it myself three other times, only they hadn't hurt, and there was there lying beside me on the grass, my old dragon skin. And there I was, as smooth and soft as a baby, then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that very much, for I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin on, and he threw me into the water. And it smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious, and as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain was gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. You see, this is what Zacchaeus was going through, right? A after all the years of living in the shadows, this life of, of deceit and greed and chaos, he made a choice to come clean, 
to leave his scaly, sin-sick life behind and to let Jesus show him how to become human again, the person he was meant to be, a child of God. This was his defining moment. And it changed everything about his life. But I think if you asked him at the end of his life, he would have told you, I'm so glad, I'm so glad I made that decision that day to know Jesus, to be loved by Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I wouldn't trade that for all the gold in the world. Now, just one more thing, and then we'll be done. Because I have to underline something for you this morning. And I've already hinted at it. It's the reason that Jesus came to Jericho that day. The reason he came to Zacchaeus' house. The reason he comes to any one of our houses, to any one of our hearts. It's the reason why he suffered and bled and died on the cross for Zacchaeus and for you and for me. It's because, it's because he's come to save us. What does Jesus say? And I think he says this with great joy. After Zacchaeus' confession, he said, Today, salvation has come to this house because, because, now listen, because the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and save the lost. You know, it might be easy for us this morning to look at this story and to say, Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? Zacchaeus got found in the end. Zacchaeus had his defining moments. Zacchaeus came to his senses. Beautiful. Wonderful. But don't you see, like Zacchaeus, we're all lost. Just in different ways. Some of us are lost in our pride. Some of us are lost in our anger. The anger that we harbor. Maybe over something that happened to us when we were very young. Over some, something that happened in the business world. Some of us are lost in, in an addiction. Some of us are lost in this insatiable need to be accepted all the time. Some of us are lost on the internet. Some of us are lost in our complacency. Some of us, like Zacchaeus, are lost in, in seeking the treasures of this world and making them our first priority. And I want to tell you something this morning from the bottom of my heart. Like Zacchaeus, it's twisting your soul. Like Eustace, it's turning you into a dragon. And it's a miserable existence. Are there any desperate hearts here this morning? Has something besides Jesus captured your heart such that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, no matter how much on the surface your life looks like it's going great, no matter how many times you tell yourself, I should be happy, the truth is there's this deep-seated desperation and misery in you. And I want to say to some of you if, you, if you've never made that decision 
Maybe today is your day. Maybe this is the day that you will allow Jesus to undress you so that all that scaly sin and junk can fall away and you can become the person that he made you to be. And if that's you, I'm going to be here at the front after the service and you can come. I'll pray with you and I'll, I'll tell you how to take some first steps. To others of you, I want to say, even at, if at some point in your life, even if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you got baptized, maybe you, know, maybe you made profession of faith, you, you can still lose your way. It's so easy for the things of this world to capture our hearts, isn't it? We can so easily lose sight of, of the North Star, the true North Star in our lives. But there's good news. Jesus saves. Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. People like Zacchaeus. People like Eustace, and people like you and me. He wants all the scales and that crap that we wrap ourselves in so often to come off and for us to become the person God intended us to be. But here's the thing, we need to let him do it. We need to come to him every day and say, Jesus, help me. And he will. That's the good news. He will. One great biblical scholar said, no matter if our lives, no matter if in our lives we have one great conversion experience, every day is the opportunity for a mini conversion or a reconversion to the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. Notice what Zacchaeus, or what Jesus says to Zacchaeus after his confession. He says, today... Salvation has come to your house. Today, Zacchaeus, there's grace enough for you. Tomorrow starts the task of training to be one of my disciples, and there's much work to be done. But today you need to know, Zacchaeus, that you are fully forgiven. That there's grace enough for you. That you are a son of Abraham. In other words, a child of God. And he says that to us as well. When Jesus knocks and we open the door of our heart to him, whether it's for the first time or for the, the thousandth time, and he says, let me come in and eat with you. His message to us is today, today for you, salvation has come. There's grace enough for today. And never, never doubt that. Beyond anything else, never doubt, Jesus says. I love you. You are a son and a daughter of Abraham. You are a child of God. Let that thought carry you through the day and inspire you to live up to it. I wonder if Zacchaeus, I'm going to ask the band to come up now. I wonder if Zacchaeus ever asked Jesus, why me? Of, of all the people in Jericho, 
Why did you come to save a sin-sick wreck like me? Why did you come for me? I think I know how Jesus would answer. He would say with a smile, Don't you know, Zacchaeus? I come for every lost sheep. For you, Zacchaeus. And for you. 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 For you. And for you. We're going to sing a song now. Sorry, I've been struggling with this microphone the whole message. Get it back on here. We're going to sing a song um, that has really inspired me over the years, and especially in connection with this series. Um, it's called um, Come to the Table. It's Come to the Table, right? To the Table, right. It's really inspired me over the years. No, it has. And, um, Zach, who is the guy that sings it, he is, um, he has this ministry for prisoners. He was a, a crazy guy, like, he was into drugs and rock and roll, and the, the whole nine yards, and, and he got saved. And as his ministry, he goes to various prisons. And, um, and he sings this song. And it's so appropriate for this series, because we're talking about coming to the table, and and in this song, it's an invitation for every sin-sick soul. Because that's what sin does, right? It puts us in prison. It's for every sin-sick soul to realize that they can come to the table. That there's a place waiting there for them. So as the band sings this song this morning, I just want you to stay seated. And I want you to hear God speaking to your heart this morning. Just remember, like Zacchaeus, he already knows. He knows the truth about you. He does. But this morning he's saying, I know, I know. But still, there's grace enough for you. Quit hiding in the shadows. Come, come. Come to the table. Let's sing that now. Hear the voice of love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you. And a friend who understands. Everything you're going through And you keep standing at a distance In the shadows of your shame But there's a lot of hope that shines to come and take your place and bring it all to the table 
that you made to Zacchaeus so many years ago, Jesus. And what an incredible invitation you make to us this morning. Come to the table. All your sorrows, all your sadness, all the stuff, I've seen it all before. But come and be the person that I made you to be. Come be one of my children. Receive the grace that's available for you. I want to invite you this morning just to receive that grace. Receive that grace. Say yes to Jesus this morning. To his invitation. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. Pray in Jesus' name. If you're comfortable, extend your hands this way to receive the blessing of the Lord. Bless you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you, keep you. 
cause his face to shine on you. May he turn his face towards you and give you his everlasting peace. And all God's children said, amen. Let's sing this final song.